Hello and welcome to Beyond Markets by Julius Baer, a series featuring conversations with experts to share recent market developments, key insights and strategic inputs from around the globe. In each episode, we cut through the noise to bring practical advice and macro research on today's shifting economic and market landscape. Please listen to the important legal information at the end of this podcast. Hello, and welcome to another episode in our podcast series, Beyond Markets. My name is Unmesh Kulkarni, and I'm Head Markets, Investments and Wealth Management Solutions at Julius Bear India. Today, I'm here with Rupin Rajguru, Head of Equities in Julius Bear India. Hello, Rupin. Thank you for joining us today for this episode on Indian markets. Hi, Unmesh. Glad to be here. Well, today, between Rupin and me, we will discuss the Indian market scenario and our outlook and investment preferences. This year, 2022, has begun on a rather volatile note, with a lot of action and volatility in global markets, whether it be in equities, bonds, commodities, or currencies. The breakout of the Ukraine-Russia war did bring in some additional uncertainties a couple of months back. And if that were not enough, the Fed tightening is also doing its bit of damage to investor sentiment. Looking at the Indian markets, While the global markets have been correcting sharply, the Nifty has outperformed so far, although it has also joined the correction this month. So Rupin, at a high level, how do you view the Indian equity markets at the current juncture? And what do you make of the recent correction? So you are right that there is a lot of noise around in the market, the higher commodity prices, essentially because of war. But if you ask me, the real issue is the higher interest rates and consequently also lower liquidity. So while we are living in a VUCA world, VUCA stands for volatile, uncertain, complex and ambiguous. And incidentally, this term was coined during wartime and we are right now going through a war. And the current global equity meltdown, if I may And the consequent sell-off in the Indian equity is combination of all these factors. And the new buzzword around is the fear of stagflation. So in this backdrop, what will happen that in the near term, the Indian markets will follow the global markets. So in short term, both our markets are interconnected. And the factors that will drive the short term are sentiments and liquidity. And as we speak, both of them are extremely nervous and extremely bearish. If I were to look into the tape, that is the technicals, uh, all uh, of the global markets as well as the Indian markets are pretty weak. But uh, having said that, over longer term, and uh, that's where I believe the Indian journey breaks away from the globe. So while we are talking about stagflation in the Western world, we believe that in India, we are entering a new economic cycle or rather a credit cycle and the balance sheets of the corporates are in best of health. The banking system is well capitalized. I would say they are rather overcapitalized. And structurally, we believe that India is entering a phase wherein the earnings growth is going to be higher than the nominal GDP growth. And in a global context, both in absolute and relative basis, Indian growth, that is the GDP growth, is better than any other countries globally. And also the earnings growth, which 
this year we are still penning close to 14 to 15% is better than any other country. So to sum up, while the near-term uncertainty will prevail, fundamentals of India are very strong. And as they say, market always creates excesses both on the upside and on the downside. And probably in the current scenario, we, we are seeing some bit of downside. So that's the perspective, Unmesh. And in fact, switching gears, Unmesh, let me ask you, last week, the Reserve Bank of India governor did what I would say a Volcarian move that is out of turn rate hike. How do you see this? Well, uh, Rupen, actually, the writing was on the wall. Inflation has been persistently high, both uh, domestically and globally, with the post-COVID recovery going on and further accentuated by the Ukraine-linked sanctions and supply issues. In fact, many emerging markets have, as we know, have already been hiking their policy rates. And since March, the Fed too uh, went on a hawkish drive. For the Reserve Bank, the issue has really been choosing between ensuring a sustainable recovery in growth and, on the other hand, bringing inflation down. So far, it has gone with the former, that is, protecting growth. But clearly, things were going a bit out of control on the inflation front. And the CPI has been trending above or rather at the upper end of the RBI's comfort zone. In fact, we would have liked to see the rate hike in the February policy itself, along with the change in policy stance, as the market was very well prepared then. Looking at the way the market yields have moved, that is upwards over the last two to three months, it's quite apparent that the RBI was actually behind the curve. So what prompted the off-cycle rate hike? Maybe a combination of factors, possibly an expectation of a high April inflation number, and the imminent 50 bips Fed hike of May, which actually happened uh, the same night. The slide in the rupee and some depletion in the Forex reserves as well. What happens next? Well, now that the RBI has officially set the rate hike ball rolling, we expect it will follow through with another rate hike in June and possibly aim at a total of 100 to 125 bips hike in the financial year 2023. However, we also expect that RBI will transition through the interest rate cycle in a non-disruptive way, so as to A, see the government borrowing through smoothly, and B, try to minimize the impact of the rising rates on growth. Well, which brings me to the next question, Rupen that in the backdrop of the high oil prices and high commodity prices, what sort of impact do you envisage on the margins of Indian companies and the earnings recovery story? So, as I mentioned earlier, at a big picture, we expect the overall earnings to be higher than the nominal GDP growth of the country. However, the journey is never smooth or linear. And you are absolutely right that there will be uh, no pit stops in between and next two quarters definitely we will be seeing the impact of higher commodity prices into the margins and the overall profitability while the corporates will have to do the fine balancing between the price hike on one side and demand destruction on the other side so having said that if i were to purely look into the march quarter earnings there is a distinct divergence between the sectors, so which are adversely affected by rising raw material prices. So like sectors like consumer staples, durables, automobiles, cement, all have got impacted by higher input prices. 
at the same time the commodity producers have seen record profits so some of the steel companies have seen the record profits in the country but if i were to step back and look at the aggregate picture for india one third of the india's market cap is banking and financial services which uh, actually does not get impacted by higher commodity prices at a margin in a higher interest rate scenario the nims which is their margins uh, do expand and in fact we have also seen higher credit growth because of higher working capital requirement also the it companies which are another say 50 not person of the market cap they also don't get impacted by this and to add to it some of the other commodity companies if we add to this list so at an aggregate level 70% of the indian companies actually don't get impacted by higher commodity prices and uh, we see the remaining 30% will get impacted so to sum up at an aggregate level after this march quarter earnings have we seen significant cuts in the one year forecasted earnings the answer is no in fact it's been flattish but having said that to conclude if oil remains or goes up to 120 130 and it remains for a longer period of time definitely there will be demand destruction and which will impact uh, our this hypothesis but india's tolerance level to a higher oil price say closer to 100 dollars we don't see a big demand on the overall earnings and the fisc position so to sum up as of now if you know we don't see a big dent in the overall earnings while one or two quarters might be subdued so with this segue unmesh uh, let me jump and ask you about how do you see the current overall economic situation especially post covid so you uh, know what are the current macro indicators suggesting and if you can elaborate more about how do you see the current economic cycle in india yeah i mean post covid the economy has been seeing a reasonably good recovery although as rbi rightly pointed out the recovery may still not be uniform some part of the recovery is obviously linked to the pent up demand as the economic activity opened up post the pandemic on the other hand we see that capacity utilization has been improving gradually business confidence today is also much better than what it was a couple of years back gst collections have been going up in fact they jumped uh, 20% year on year in april and they are at an all time high monthly number with the pick up in the economic activity post the third covid wave and also coupled with the higher inflationary environment that we are in currently the indian economy is also in fact currently witnessing a good tax buoyancy in terms of direct tax collections which is helping the government navigate the tight fiscal situation and there are many high frequency indicators including the eway bills which have shown a significant pick up further you know if you look at the broader picture india is actually at the start of a multi year capex cycle similar to that seen in if we recall in 2003 in fact the last decade was a somewhat lost decade for capex but during this period there has been significant deleveraging by the indian corporate sector the banking sector npas have also been brought down in fact today as you mentioned earlier the private sector banks are well capitalized and in the last couple of union budgets the indian finance minister has actually laid emphasis on infrastructure development as well as the funding of the infrastructure sector the capex cycle is being initially driven by the government capex uh, which is going to be followed by real estate and exports and finally by the public sector and private sector capex accelerating growth beyond the financial year 2024 
besides the make in india drive of the government is also aimed at boosting the domestic production and the exports and i think is probably well timed especially when you look at china slowing down currently manufacturing companies books have also improved and finally the real estate sector which went through a pretty long lull in the last decade is also seeing revival so in the near term to conclude i mean there are obviously significant headwinds to growth arising primarily from the inflationary scenario the rising interest rates and the evolving global macro situation as well as the fallout of the ukraine russia war to some extent so while the next couple of quarters could be a bit challenging for growth we would be constructive over the medium term on the economic recovery but at the current juncture of the indian economy and markets rupin are there any equity themes that you prefer any particular sectors that you like so unmesh as we mentioned last time in our podcast we continue to like the economy facing sectors in india because as we just discussed that we expect that india over next few years is on the cusp of a earnings recovery as well as economic recovery cycle so themes like bfsi and as you earlier alluded the companies or themes related to the capex revival or the manufacturing side is something which we like which would include cement as well as the companies or themes related to real estate so some of the real estate ancillaries or the home improvement companies is something we continue to like and tactically at this current juncture commodities is something which we like but as i said it's a tactical call and it can change pretty fast and post correction the information technology stocks also looks interesting so these are some of the things themes that we like at current juncture and i would also like to jump in and ask you from a global investor perspective unmesh how do you see that they can allocate money into indian equities given the current situation and also the rising interest rate scenario and besides equities do you think there are other asset classes which uh, the global investors uh, can look into investing in india during this current period of global uncertainty and the market swings which are arising from the geopolitical tensions the tightening of global liquidity rising rates high valuations etc it is firstly necessary for global investors to take a medium to long term view when allocating to indian equities so while it is very difficult to predict what happens in the next few months especially if there are recessionary pressures globally global investors should certainly benefit from the longer term growth opportunity that india holds out in the near term i would say investors could navigate the volatility by using a mix of price correction and time correction allocation strategies that is buying the dips as well as staggering their equity investments over a period of time within equities the immediate preference would be for large caps to ride out any near term volatility while allocation to mid caps can be done in a staggered manner over a period of time there is another asset class which looks interesting domestically which is the real estate sector where which also offers opportunities to investors to participate through real estate funds especially as this sector is reviving after a long period of stagnation finally investors who have a higher risk appetite and are looking for some real long term high growth exposure they could budget some allocation to the unlisted private equity space you know one can of course be more selective when investing directly into unlisted companies but investors can participate more meaningfully 
through diversified private equity funds, the mid-stage growth funds, or even some of the late-stage opportunities. However, here too, I would emphasize that investors should take a long-term growth approach rather than extrapolate the valuation frenzy that we saw uh, over the last couple of years. Absolutely. Thank you, Unmesh. You summed it up pretty well. Dear listener, that's all we have time for today. We hope you enjoyed this podcast. On behalf of all of us at Julius Bear, thank you for tuning in and goodbye. You have been listening to Beyond Markets by Julius Bear. If you like what you heard, subscribe to our show on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. To learn more about Julius Bear, our people, our latest thinking, visit us at www.juliusbear.com. We will be back with a brand new episode soon. This is a podcast disclaimer. The information and opinions expressed in this podcast constitute marketing material and are not the result of independent financial or investment research. The podcast content is intended for information purposes only and does not constitute an offer, a recommendation or an invitation by or on behalf of Julius Baer to buy or sell any securities, security-based derivatives or other products or to participate in any particular trading strategy in any jurisdiction. Julius Baer does not accept liability for any loss arising from the use of the podcast content. Please refer to www.juliusbear.com forward slash legal forward slash podcasts for further important legal information.